When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of March Badness. So get ready. You're about to get bang-banged by Baco and Loose Cannon. Ew. Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Lewis Cannon, and I am joined, as always, with a crazy Baco. How are you, just, sir? Am I just one crazy, or am I crazy crazy? You might be crazy, crazy, crazy Baco, but we'll go into that in just a moment. Yeah, so, well, well, I am well, Lewis. It's Sunday morning. Let me uh, let me ask you a quick side note on a little personal level. You've gone out in the world and ventured and, and been amongst the people. I got to believe at some point you were shopping at Home Depot or someplace where you really weren't expecting to be assaulted by a Girl Scout selling Girl Scout cookies. Sure. As much as I just put my head down and look away from them, I do get asked. <laughs> we sound like we're anti-Girl Scouts. Uh, how, how many times uh, when, when that's happened were you wearing a, a black hoodie with a giant pentagram on it? <laughs> Only on Sundays right after I leave Mass. <laughs> Yeah, this is my church outfit. Yeah, I have a Danzig hoodie I like to wear uh, when I'm going to go somewhere where there might be somebody who's going to sell me Girl Scout cookies. Perfect. And, of course, she, her dad's sitting right there like, that guy in the the pentagram hoodie. Go get him, girl. That's right. That's her target Uh, audience. Yeah. You would think it would fend off that kind of unwanted attention, but uh, not today. Not Not on the Lord's Day. Exactly. I mean, I mean, uh, but but you're leaving us hanging, though. Did you buy any? Seven boxes of Thin Mints. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. See, they knew. They knew devil worshippers are are their target audience. He's like that guy, you know, is in his basement, probably has a podcast, and loves cookies. Works up an appetite worshiping the the Dark Lord. <laughs> uh. so, oh man, I'm happy to talk to you. I'm fired up. March badness is going great. It is. We got a lot of feedback from the Saints of Los Angeles episode. And, As a matter uh, of fact, can I? That's a good. Can I segue yeah, in here and please. actually give you us uh, this week's user comment? Uh huh. This comes from BJ Cramp, the host of the Rock and or Roll podcast, uh, which he's currently doing his own little uh, Motley Crude thing. Uh, yeah, he commented, um, "Hey asshole, I'm the prick who asked for no ice in my pop." Thank you for listening, BJ. <laughs> yes, yes. So he's that guy. Again, don't make fun of him. He's got an extra free three ounces and warm as <laughs> piss. Well, before we get down to the badness, Baco, you mm-hmm. want to just recap the current promotion fundraiser we have going on right now that's similar to Girl Scout cookies? 
Sure, yeah. Um, and maybe we should sit in uh, grocery stores and assault people. Um, and ask us to buy us a <laughs> buy beer. Us a beer. Buy, sit outside of liquor stores. We're, at, we're in the Total Wine Park. You think they'll have that, like a little Cobras and Fire table? We'll have our own little Cobras and Fire uh, scouts. Be like great selling. to get the pictures of us being arrested. <laughs> <laughs> the plan worked for three and a half minutes. God, are they dumb. Well, wait. The plan lasted three and a half minutes. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, the, this week's beer was going to be from David Glenn, but uh, we're still having a hard time tracking down a beer in Colorado that Dave picked. So uh, Luce is going to take uh, care of contacting him. We'll have that coming up soon. So we have no beer this week, but that's all right. We got other people kind of in the backlog, but you can still go to our GoFundMe. What is it? Slash uh, Absolutely Drink, correct? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's GoFundMe.com slash Absolutely Drink or... For ease of use, just go to our Facebook page, and there's the Shop Now button right at the top. It'll take you right to it. And uh, for, for $5, we can you can buy us a beer. We'll mention you. We'll mention we'll give the review of the beer, and we'll just have a lot of fun with it, and you help the show. That's it. Yeah. So this week, I'm drinking Coors Light because that's what's in my fridge. Yeah, and I'm, <coughs> I'm just having a beer. <laughs> Excuse me. Good Lord. <laughs> I need to wet my palate. Does uh, your wife know? This, is, uh, this seems against your March diet. Yeah, I'm on this uh, thing called Whole Hell 30, and it does not allow beer, so I am undercover, and she doesn't listen to the show anyway, so I could be doing heroin right now or or, uh, or any other stuff right now. So right now I'm yeah. having an illegal beer. Here it is. Hold on. Me- Hold on. I'm patching her in. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yep, it tastes like beer. It's called beer, and it tastes like beer. Uh, it, we had another kind of nice little surprise this week. Loose Cannon back to the interview stage. Good job on the, the Mike Tramp interview. I enjoyed it. Oh, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed it kind of like a White Lion fan in the uh, the 80s. In other words, Mike, I uh, met Mike Tramp in the backseat of my car. After 20 minutes, he had his way with me, got exactly <laughs> what he wanted, and left. Very aggressive. Uh, you know, I actually met Mike Tramp uh, back in 1987. Really? Yeah, um, uh, they were opening for Kiss on the Crazy Nights tour, and we uh, we went and saw them in Rochester, Minnesota, which was a bit of a drive from my hometown of Owatonna. And we stopped at a music store before the show uh, because they had a music store that actually sold you know music and stuff. Sure. And we're sitting there, and the guy who drove us, because uh, I was still too young to have a license, tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, you see those guys sitting back there? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's a white lion. Uh, they were there signing autographs. Now they were towards the end of it, but this is before they kind of broke, and there were there was def- definitely not a line. So yeah, I got to go up and uh, get his autograph, all the entire band, and he was uh, he was he was feeling good that night. Uh, was, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he was uh, a very interesting character. I'm sure he remembers me. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I actually uh, I, I enjoyed. I, I like some of these guys that that are ready to talk. And they got a little bit of a, like a, uh, an ego, so to speak, and they 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 like to to you know promote themselves because it makes the interview a lot fucking easier. Well, no, and, and also it helps me pay attention to who I'm talking to when they talk to about themselves in the third person, so I make sure I remember their name. <laughs> Mike Tramp does what Mike Tramp does because Mike Tramp is who Mike Tramp is. That's right, damn straight. But no, that, that's interesting that we. So I'm guessing you set that interview up for me so we could transition into the opening band for the band we're about to talk about today. Is that correct? That's perfect. Uh, yeah, exactly. I had this all mapped out. Uh, everything lines up. Yes, we are talking about the headline act of that evening when I met my tramp, Mike Tramp. 
on this tour. You know what, Baco? A lot of times when I come into the interviews, I have some set questions. And I, I took your okay. advice and I just went with the flow, right? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give you some that I know uh, based on the temperament and the seriousness of the conversation that would have gone over flat. Can I share some of those with you? Of course. Okay. Uh, Mike, uh, your new album is called Stray from the Flock. Is there any is there any reason why it's not called Stray from the Pride? And when did you, when did you become a bird? <laughs> hey Mike, uh, wh- what do you call a Danish in Denmark? <laughs> <laughs> hey Mike, uh, the first three albums were called Pride, Big Game, and Main Attraction. What were your thoughts on the title for a fourth? What about the White Lion King or just Simba? <laughs> I like the White Lion King. <laughs> you like the White Lion King? All right. But again, all, all, all of these would have probably gone over horrible, don't you think, in the interview and would have caused a hang-up? Yeah, you know, um, uh, he made it much more clear than I think Tony Harnell did with me <laughs> that I he did not want to fucking joke around, man. No, at any time it would go sideways. Be, and that's history. And that's history. But anyway, thank you, Mike, very much for the interview. Hope you He get- was a great guest, honestly. Yes. Uh, yes. I love the interview. Good yeah. job. So uh, let's move on. What are we here to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about, I don't know, I think it's your favorite Kiss album, Crazy Nights. I, I have to tell you, uh, we'll get into this a little more. Um, this album, I, I didn't think aged as well over the years. I remember at the time I, I liked it a lot, but I was kind of con- still in that kind of Kiss coma where everything they did was good, so I almost embraced it harder than I would have if I'd been a little objective. But looking back at it, I'll tell you, there's a little more on here that I that I liked than I think I probably would have said two weeks ago. Yeah, I agree. It didn't age well. When did it come out? It came out on my birthday, September 18th, 1987. <laughs> I bought it uh, the week of release as well, and I'll go into that in a second. But I, I agree. I think it didn't age well because by October, it, it wasn't sounding too good for me. This was, um, you know, as long as I've been a Kiss fan, right, all the records I've ever gotten have kind of been when I could. You know, there's, you know, you know, being a kid, you, you have no money, you have no car, and also living in, in the community I did, we didn't get records on release day, so that meant leaving town. Uh, this was the first record that I got to go out on my own and get on release day, basically the first Kiss record that I bought, you know, on my own volition, if that makes any sense. I'm sorry, Baco. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was it was a struggle. You know what I mean? Having to wait, you know, until something showed up, or you know, I had paper out money, or my dad would give me five bucks to get a Kiss record. <laughs> Terrible investment, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, son. Spend it. Spend it in the most in the best way possible. Good luck. Uh, but no, you know what? Um, I got a little surprise for the listener at the end. Uh, maybe if fans of this record, maybe we'll give them a little treat. But uh, where, where where did you come in on Kiss? Now, I, I know I think Sinzak, this you know from Decibel Geek, this is his like entry point to Kiss. Which it's shocking to me that anybody would hear the song Crazy Nights and go. I gotta check this fucking band out. You know, what I mean, I don't hate the song, but it definitely isn't one of those like holy fucking shit moments. You know what I mean? But he's not the only one, right? Yeah, and I, I think there could be some good count, uh, point counterpoint. You know, fair and balanced on this on this episode. So I'll, I'll give you my little en- entry point here. Yeah. Much like you, 87 was the first year I started actually buying albums, period. You know, Motley, Poison, Def Leppard at the mm-hmm. time I purchased in that, in that uh, summer slash fall. So I heard Crazy Nights, decided that it, was, it was kind of the same zone. So I went and got the album, and I can just summarize it like this. That album made me get it. 
and then think, what's the big deal about Kiss? And I basically stay away from Kiss for the next, <laughs> the next, the next two years. I was like, what is this? I, I, I tried playing it for a month and validating it, and it just went, went away. So this actually was the anti-Kiss album for me. That, to me, makes sense. If this is your entry point to Kiss, I don't see how this pulls you into all the others and you know everything else about the band. Clearly, I'm wrong. Chris Hinzak isn't the only person that has sure. that story, but it, it is weird to me. You know, it, it's partially because of where I'm coming in at this point. I'd been a fan for ten years, um, yeah. and, and you know, whatever. But uh, you know, one and, thing uh, we, we should talk a little bit about the lead up to the record uh, because th- th- this is following the the Asylum album, a record that I actually had you know on the list of possible March Badness records, maybe next year. Uh, just not my favorite Kiss album, and and I'm, after listening to Crazy Nights a couple times, I think it now is below Crazy Nights uh, on my Kiss album ranking. But the, the the bigger point here is that for the first time in history since they released their debut record in 74 they went two year they went a full calendar year without releasing a studio album they had not done that right. prior forever i mean it was either yeah, almost two exactly year. 2 years say it again almost exactly 2 years right and at the most it was like you either got two a year or this bonus or they they just there was some type of product that was constantly being given to you Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the the solo albums all came out. I, I mean, I guess people would look at that and say, well, they didn't have a uh, a studio <coughs> album as a band in 78. But you got four albums of new material with the Kiss logo on it. Uh, I think that covers it. And it should be noted that it, I should mention, too, that I heard Heavens on Fire and Tears, Tears Are Falling. Never heard any full album. And that and hearing that, those two singles plus Crazy Nights prompted me to get the album. I should say that because I like those other two. But that that goes to the Animalize produced by Paul Stanley quote, executive producer Gene Simmons. And then you've got um, Asylum is produced by both of them too, if I'm not correct, or at least yep. Paul Stanley. Yep. And then finally, so they went on the cheap kind of, they're not paying for an outside producer. So finally they knuckled down and they're trying to get some of that Bon Jovi money and they go and hire, they go big, that two-year gap, waiting for Ron Nevison. Did you want to comment on that a little bit? Yeah, so, I mean, it was uh, it was like the, the record, I think, actually would have came out almost a, a, a significantly earlier, but they, they basically had the album done but they wanted to basically have have Ron, as far as songs and demos, they wanted Ron Nevison to produce, and he was kind of hot at the time because uh, you know he just done Ozzy the Ultimate Sin yep. and 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 a couple Heart records. A thing that 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 dawned on me looking back on this because you know like I don't have a favorable opinion about the production on this record at all. Mm-hmm. I just realized it historically now that we look back as popular as the ultimate sin was at the time and as much as those uh records he did with heart rejuvenated those their career nobody looks back at those records and go wow that was it i mean i mean so ron nevison is as hot as he was as a producer his actual output during his peak of being the hot guy uh the hot guy uh isn't looked it it isn't looked on favorably with with the the benefit of history no, it was very uh, uh, of the time type of production, right? Like very much, of. yes. Yeah. So, but but yeah, but they wanted to get take that next level. They wanted to get back to that, and they wanted to to do it. You know, they they wanted to go big on this album. So, I, I got to tell you, I, I think they made it might have been on the right track when they were self producing because if they literally would have like put like all the songs on Slippery When Wet on this record, but put a Kiss logo on it, it wouldn't have done as well as Slippery When Wet. Point being, I don't think any investment into any producer was going to make a difference for Kiss at this time. They're going to have a certain level of success, 
and that was right. about it. They were never going to be that that six, seven, eight million dollar or million selling record at this stage of their career. Yeah, you know, maybe in the seventies they had a shot, but right. Probably and, not. and 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 I I'll agree with that. And, and to that to that end, I think there was some interview at some point that um, I think actually. Uh, Bruce Kulick might have mentioned this back in the day when I interviewed him. When it, when it was, they went right back to self-producing for Hot in the Shade, and it's kind of it was the same. Like, like, listen, we are going to sell. Let's just call it a million albums or five hundred thousand mm-hmm. albums, whether we self-produce this or get a Rod Nevison to pay a shitload for him. So and take a year off with no touring income or anything like that. Correct. So we might as well just just do it ourselves because our audience is our audience, and it's not really going to change at this point of a career right now. They're, we're going to they're going to buy it or they're not going to buy it. You see what yeah. I'm meaning? Yeah, I so, do. Big risk. Big risk on this one. They did fill that empty year with uh, their first ever long form VHS, uh, Kiss Exposed. That is actually one of the things that got me back into it. That, that I love. That thing is so cheesy and over the top. And I remember seeing it like, and seeing the fact that it even says like. That it had writers on the end of it for the scenes, and it was yes. so, so. I was like, "Are these real interviews? Are they fake?" And actually, I saw. <laughs> so I saw that they had like like co-writers for the stupid scenes where they put like the the frog on the head or whatever that stuff is. That was just amazing. I love that. Yeah, and the host was the he was on that TV show Fridays. Yeah, he was like a big goofball, and yeah. uh, you know the, all the pretend they live in the same house, Beatles style. It, just, <laughs> I like, love that. Uh, I think I might have even believed it at the time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Did you ever? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, there, there's a couple topless chicks that are kind of hot in there. Oh, and, you no, know, they're I mean, porn stars. I a, they're porn I, stars I, in that movie. I really love the advent of the forehead VCR, where you can push pause at just the right time and for get a titties. nice still shot of the of the titties. You know, oh yeah, for a little rub one out there. You know, before Dad gets home. Oh boy, yeah. So you want to get down to the first track? Or you want to get some more history in it, or what do you want to do? You know, let's uh, let's talk about the album cover a little bit because uh, I just mentioned uh, the the back cover. What yep. do you think of the front cover? The front cover I actually think is is pretty cool. I also one of their was, best. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's artistic. Uh, actually, looks like they put thought. I mean, it's no monster, but um, <laughs> but it definitely looks no, like no. Someone some, tried on this one. Uh, uh, yeah, I, actually, I, it kind of harkens back to rock and roll over a little bit. It's it was a hell of a step up from Asylum. Yeah, well, it, that, that's not exactly an achievement. Um, no. I think I think Animalize is a step up from Asylum. <laughs> I actually don't remember that the back is the back cover. All four of them in the, the yeah, the you know, where Paul's got his underwear kind of poking out. Oh, I thought that was inside of it for some reason. Yeah, too. no, well, it's the back. I think it's both. <laughs> I think there's a closer nut shot on the inside. You're, you're thinking of the cassette where you got to bust it open. Yes, and like, that's what I'm talking. Yes, that's. What uh, I'm I got to fold it out and you find some fucking male some porn to fucking rub one out to. <laughs> just kind of standing there except for you know paul is like basically you know he's, he's either pulling his you know super tight jeans down or ye- giving himself like a front snuggie you know um showing his little camel toe or something oh know? it was that's a moose knuckle isn't it a yeah. moose knuckle yeah you moose. know in psycho circus when you that thing on the front where you moved it what is what are those things called uh i uh we the thing it looks like it's a motion oh yeah fuck uh, a hologram not a hologram um you know what I'm talking about, though. You I do. move it. I think the listeners I, do, too. I would just think it would be great if you could put that picture of Paul Stanley behind one of those, and if you moved it back and forth, <laughs> he, would, he, would, he, would, he would slowly turn into Cher. <laughs> uh, his tits are bigger. Uh, <laughs> Whoa!
how about a little information on the on the record? You mind if I get it a little into the background here? So you're going to give us some facts. Is that correct? I'm going to try, but I'm usually right. wrong, so who cares? Go ahead, please. Well, um, there's a couple things. Uh, uh, some some songs that did not make the record that I thought was fun. There was a song that Gene wrote called "I'm Going to Put a Log in Your Fireplace." So apparently. <laughs> No, there wasn't. He, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, uh, according to my research, it's true, that uh, he actually liked that phrase uh, apparently a lot better than uh, most KISS fans. Um, uh, Larry Mazur, is that the guy who uh, was Paul's therapist? Sure. We'll go with yeah, that. sounds right. I, yeah. I think that's the guy. He, he he took over managing the band at this point. Um, the album was going to be called Who Dares Win. I actually remember hearing about that back in the day. But um, And also... Uh, Condemnation, as in condom, Ugh. condemnation. But I think that was more of a working title. By working title, I mean something they were just kind of thrown around while with no intent to ever use. Uh, kind of, kind of like a, a stupid, you know, guy joke. Sure, but I, just so you know, I was actually contracted by Kiss during that year as the working title man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what did you have? That was it. That was my recommendation. Oh, okay, <laughs> you were like, you should call it condemnation. You know, like that thing you put on your dick. I also put- greenlit the log into my the fireplace, but it was shot down later. Okay, uh, keep going. <laughs> well, it peaked at number eighteen on the U.S. Billboard charts, making it the highest charting Kiss album of the '80s. Uh, really? It was. It was sort of. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. Um, now this did get a really heavy push, so it wasn't just buying Nevison; it was buying a lot of people. Um, uh, it was certified platinum uh, in Canada on November eighteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, and in February eighteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. So apparently, the eighteenth day of the month is they they peaked at eighteen. They were platinum on the eighteenth and platinum in the U.S. on the eighteenth as well. Uh, they had three singles: "Crazy Crazy Nights," "Turn on the Night," and I don't know what the other. What was the other one? Yeah. But, oh, a fucking reason to live. Yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, basically, what you said with all eighteen is, as long as she's old enough to vote, they do pretty well. <laughs> if, she's, if, if she's eighteen, you can put a log in her fireplace. <laughs> it's, it's it's a just make sure to put ch- do it in a oh, condemnation. I would like to see Gene Simmons do a flowchart analysis of, of what you were allowed to do and not allowed to do on a chalkboard. <laughs> I want him to do it on a whiteboard like house. It just, it just starts with a log and then shows the general flow. It sounds like you're describing a PowerPoint. I want him on a whiteboard. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, just no, just just a straight up whiteboard. And uh, I think he would use chalk on the whiteboard. He's a little old. <laughs> do you want to go into right into the Crazy Night song? Yeah, let's get into it. The, the, the album opens up with the song Crazy Crazy Nights. Can I just give you a little... Uh, my my opinion on this song first, and then you can you can add to it. I think that's what the listeners want, Luce. Okay, great. Just a little bit of lyrics right now. It says that you know they try to tell us we don't belong. That's all right. We're millions strong. I think the more accurate thing were we're three thousand strong in a, in a ten thousand uh, seat arena on a good on a good day. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, um, that's pretty much the only comment on, I have in this song. I, I have to, I have to actually. And two hundred fifty of those people are there for White Lion. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're there for Tramp. My tramp. They left after White Lion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but but, but <laughs> well, pissed Thank off. Thank you they for pay. the praise. They just they just end with a wait and just the place evacuates. Oh, no, God. seriously, wait, wait for us to play. But <laughs> but you've got this song though. I think is a perfect Kiss pop anthem. I actually really do like this song. Uh, for what it is, do I wish it was produced a little differently? Sure, but I actually have seen it play it live a couple times, mm-hmm. and I've I've liked um, I've liked that version of it. I like the whole, you know, reference to 
you know, I love it loud. I like the we love the solo. Loud. As simple as it is, I think that Bruce Kulick, he does a nice little tasty 80s uh, style Kulick solo on it. I have nothing really bad to say about this song. It is it for for the time, and still, it's one of them that has have survived uh, for me. And I think it's just fun, upbeat, good kiss pop music. Now, your turn. I I, I don't like the way Paul kind of talks on this one. That would be the only complaint I have ah, on it. Ah, the talk singing. Okay. Yeah, that I, I I he's still in his prime at this point, and and but whatever. If it fit the tune, I I really don't know that 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 it didn't. But that was one thing that was like when I first heard it, I was like. Let that sound. I actually didn't know it was Kiss when I when I heard it for the first time. Huh. And I'm like that. That kind of sounds like Paul Stanley. And then the chorus kicks in, or when he starts singing, singing in the pre-chorus is, is when it became clear. But uh, yeah, you know what? I don't hate the tune. Um, I do like it live if I'm there. Um, but I prefer honestly. I I, I want to see this band play it though. I didn't like it live when I saw the the, the makeup guys do it. Right, um, right. And I don't like hearing it. Um, what did, did you see him do it? Except for like oh, just video. like uh, uh, they, they didn't bring it back. I think until okay. what that the 2014 or something like that. That's where I saw it, and I was like, okay, this is actually still works a little bit for me. But yeah, look, I don't hate the song. Um, it definitely preaches. You know, it's it's typical. Paul Stanley, you know what I mean, where he's like talking about like the world being against him, but he doesn't care, you know. I mean, uh, right. and he rises above it all <laughs> because fucking a man, I'm fucking Paul Stanley. So, and, and he delivers on that level. I'm, it may sound like I'm ripping on him a little bit, but th- that's kind of his forte, and he's very good at it. Yeah. So I'll go into something that I'm completely borrowing from Pods and Sods. And I thought everything cool? you said on this show was borrowed from positive. Pretty sides. much, yes. But yeah. I'm just actually I'm just admitting to it at this part. Yeah, okay. So oh, the, oh, nice. All right. Yeah, a little yeah, credit yeah. for uh, right. uh you, this is, I'm assuming you're taking Craig uh Craig's opinion on this. Um I think it's both Craig I think it was just a uh, this is from a couple of years ago that they were talking about crazy nights. Sure. Yeah, they did that did a whole record review on it. Uh sure. It, it actually was an inspiration for my little surprise at the end. But anyway. Oh, cool. So but but I remember it was goof that well, we'll go over to the song titles too. Um <laughs> Uh, but but they but what I thought was was goofy is the fact that the name they 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 completely nailed it. And I remember how why I thought it was goofy is even as a kid where it was the album was called Crazy Nights, the song is called Crazy Crazy Nights, but neither are true to the actual verse because the verse is Crazy 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 Nights. Either way, there's four crazies in the chorus, but why put Crazy Crazy Nights? It's it's a mind boggler, man. It starts melting your mind. Like, dude, just Crazy Nights. Yeah, you you uh, you need to just start letting go on this shit, man. It, it was the artist's discretion. I have at least an, a a two strong army uh, in pods and sods that agrees with me on this. <laughs> we might not be millions strong, but we're two podcasts strong, Baco. Okay, yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, all right, um, that's, that's all I got. I'll, I'll, oh, and, I'll and, concede and, the point. One other I'll thing, con- I will concede the point <sighs> because I don't care. Fine. Here's another thing you maybe you don't care about. Do you think that the whole deliberate, the pitch change or whatever you call it at the end is a living on a prayer thing? 
or not? The key change? No, there absolutely not. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, that, that's kind of dumb. Uh, key changes like that, especially at the end, are, are historically uh, prevalent in rock and roll music. You want to you want a really fucking old example? Under My Wheels, Alice Cooper. Okay. The very last verse moves a half step up. It is a rock and roll tradition, baby. Uh, There's a lot more in the 80s, though. No, it was like. not. Jesus okay. fucking Christ. Kids, I'm going to put that on the we'll Just because Pods and Sods said it on their podcast doesn't mean it's true. I don't even think they did say it on their podcast. That was something I think that I even came up better, with. Even this better. This is right up there with like an orange amp makes the band sound good. You know what? I already have some backup evidence on that. So, you know, but just, just, just to you have no evidence other- on that. That is just a dumb thing to say. No, this this happens all the time in, in, in rock and roll. They're going back to Elvis Presley, baby. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a signature move after the solo. Bump up the fucking uh, set last verse or last chorus. Move right, it up yeah, a step. Right, we're gonna cut this out. It's too much. So the uh, no, you're gonna cut it out because you sound dumb. <laughs> we're leaving all this in here. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Anything else to say about this song? Or you want to go to to uh, the next one? The next one's got to be a favorite of yours. Yeah, I'll fight hell to hold you, Baco. You take it. I fucking hate this song. Next. It's it's Paul's vocal Olympics. You know what I mean. He, yeah, this one and and a song coming up down the here my way. It's just like he's just trying to prove how high he can sing. Almost. That's that's a lot for the whole album because I remember that was part of it too. That I didn't realize that this was not how Paul <laughs> sang all the time. This is my first <laughs> the first one. I was like, but for me it was kind of amusing as a kid because I'm like I just imagined him in his little um, you know half naked tight jean outfit like with boxing gloves fighting the devil. I'm like, what are you doing? All I know is that in this song, there's a lot of deep rivers and, and high mountains. There's, <laughs> there's no ta- river too deep or mountain high. Right. And uh, there's worlds that may collide. I mean, this, 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 uh, actually, the working title for this song, which is Hold on a second. Cliche. I'm sorry. Marvin Gaze at the door and said he, that's his. <laughs> oh, is that right? Time that stands still and worlds colliding. I mean, the working title for this was just fucking cliche. Yeah. I, I, he was like, Gene, how do you come up with lyrics again? <laughs> He's like, I just go buy 40 bumper stickers. <laughs> he buys 40 bumper stickers, and then uh, Paul looks at self-help books, I guess. I, I, I write down the, the phrases at my therapist's office. <laughs> That's right. I think he's got posters on the wall. I, I go to a guidance counselor's office at high school, and I just scribble down what's on the posters. Hashtag live to win. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's right. It would be great if they actually sold a motivational poster that says live to win on the bottom of it just as a picture of Paul Stanley. <laughs> but also, but him, you know, going up like stadium steps, like jogging. Uh, yeah. Anyway. In the thong. In a thong, yes. With just enough nutsack to be allowed to be sold in the non 
uh, male porn section. So you know I've never seen him in shorts. How hairy are his legs? I mean, do you think there's an actual clear line between his pubic <laughs> hair and his leg hair? Because <laughs> based on the album cover uh, on the art and crazy nights, it doesn't seem like there is between his chest hair and his pubic hair. <laughs> I well, listen, I I I'm not sure if you knew about this, but about 15 years ago, there was a sighting of Sasquatch in um in the um, it was Paul Stanley in, buying groceries in fucking Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually in in the uh, uh, you know in the mountains somewhere, but but they said that it was it was a, a very thin Sasquatch, very hairy, and all I kept bitching about was some guy named Gene Sasquatch. Sasquatch keeps saying I did all the work. <laughs> I gotta believe uh, the next uh, song title is uh, one of your all time favorites from Kiss. Oh my God! Can you just tell us the working title of "Bang Bang You" so we can get this out of the way? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, it, when I was doing some research to find out this, I actually found out the working title of this song was actually "Listen to Me Count as I Blast Me Jizz." <laughs> and for some exactly reason, right. uh, it it reads in an English accent. Yes, and we are we are at song <laughs> three. Where I'm not sure if you know, but it has been a Paul Stanley domination, a condemnation. Yeah, on this I, I'm album pretty so sure far. because. And I'll, I'll, I'll actually explain my theory on this at the very end. Because, again, people, I have a surprise if you're a fan of this record. Um, this is Paul. The sequencing on this record is all Paul Stanley. Just a big F you to Gene Simmons. He was oh. very upset with, with uh, Gene's side uh, activities during, basically, from he did the movie Runaway on. And they weren't even getting along recording Animalize. So, and according to Ace Freely, a recent interview, they never liked each other. Yeah. Well. Anyway, Ace is also uh, was almost killed in uh, Tampa or something like that. Yeah. Well, he brought ago. that up too. <laughs> anyway, so, but but let's 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 talk about first off, third song in a row by Paul Stanley, pure yes. unadulterated prima donna mode. When put in the history in the context of Kiss, you know what I mean. I mean, it's not Sorry, like the Rolling no. Stones where Keith Richards sings one to two songs a record. They basically split lead vocals and throw a bone to the other members once in a while. Right. But this is just three in a row. Seven out of these 11 are Paul Stanley songs. And apparently there was even more you wanted and, to put out. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a couple um, like uh, demos. There were three on songs the, in, though. And yeah. there were two horrible songs out of the three. And one that I would give a, uh, like a C plus. Wow, I know okay. you like Crazy Crazy Nights a little more than I do. I don't hate the thing, but I'm like, sure. that that that's a good song. These two suck. Yes. So uh, okay. So we got Crazy Crazy Nights, and then now we have Bang Bang You. Not just Bang You, but Bang Bang You. Now realize the 13 year old <laughs> loose loose cannon getting this. I was like, holy shit, the song is gonna be dumb. <laughs> I'm like, I am a small, I have a small brain and an even smaller package right now, and I am going, and this is not gonna go well. So it starts with counting. Yeah, um, I'm just, I can't believe they fucking played this on tour. Uh, I was like, of <laughs> all the songs, and by the way, they didn't play a bunch of songs on here. On t- they didn't even play uh, Turn On The Night, which they released as a signal, a single, which means they thought that was a more marketable, 
ear-pleasing song. Now, I'm okay with going deep, but come on, man. Bang, bang you. Bang, bang you. Yeah, it's like one, two, three, four. When midnight comes, I'll be at your door. Ah, fucking really put in the the overtime on that lyric, didn't you, Paul? No, I mean, uh, and it actually had, this is Desmond Child. So two, and, and again, I don't want to repeat a lot of things you probably heard in other podcasts. I've, I've heard Sinzak say, you know, two grown men went into a room together and came, <laughs> and came out a great with, line. This, yeah. with this this song and said, this this is done. I mean, just the fact that you're realize, I didn't even know the song Love Gun when I heard this song. But when I heard the line, I'll shoot you down with my love gun, baby, I was like, I think I just stood up and said, are you fucking kidding me? Is, no, so for know. me, that was like, again, still in the kiss coma. Anytime they referenced the past always kind of drew me in. So I, I kind of liked that at the Ooh, time. It sure. does not save the song, but I remember going, no, it's kind of cool. But you, you mentioned like the two grown men. It is weird as I grew older, looking back at all this music that I liked and enjoyed, that I'm now picturing people who are like, I'm like, now I'm the age they were when they wrote this. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> now, 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 now let's go into this too. Now I, I put out a little teaser uh, for this episode and said that this this album we're going to review may have started the uh, the Pow and Me Too movement. And you've got a line right <laughs> yeah, here: "Don't hide or try to get away. You know the rules, and you're going to play." I mean, this song is rapey as fuck. Yeah. Throughout the entire thing, I'm going to shoot you down. You're going to be mine. Hands up, reach for the sky. Is there bondage involved here? I, actually, is- I think this song um, is. Uh, it's if this song was a, a, a able to retort your comment, it would yeah. say you, this song would tell you, loose cannon, you can't rape the willing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when midnight comes, I'll be at your door. I mean, he's stalking a chick. It's this is how Gene Simmons didn't write this is beyond me. That's that's all I have to say. Well, the record doesn't get any better with the next song, which also likes to use the word more than once in the title. Right. No, but, but but like I'm saying, like if you thought the the hashtag pound me too moment was just getting a slow start, no, 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 it takes it into uh, you know overdrive. I mean, we're talking about oh, the actual man. title is saying, "Don't say you won't if you will, don't don't say if you've had your thrill." It's baby, don't say no, no, no. What's mine is mine, and yours is mine. I mean, it's just the only thing I'll say about this song is I I hear this song. I getting, just hate when the girl says, "Wait, wait." <laughs> Exactly. It's just taking it next level. But uh Wasn't there but, a line about no in there? Don't say no. Or, no, she know. says yeah. She says stop, uh, says, baby. Go, go, go. Right. No, right. no, no. Green light, green light, red light, don't say no. She there you says go. stop, baby, go, go, go. Can I tell you a, a quick anecdote of a, <laughs> uh, of a We of just a, jumped back a decade and they were just as rapey. <laughs> I will say though that there is. I love the guitar solo in the beginning of this. Sure. Um, going, going yeah, to the song. I'm glad we have that on tape. Like a little record of of Bruce and, and uh, Eric jamming. You know, especially with Eric not being around anymore. I, I I almost feel like he's he's forgotten the way things are going with all this like rhetoric about Eric dressing as Peter. Like we forget that there is another drummer in the band that personally I think was the best drummer they ever had. So it's cool yeah. that this is there. It's a little time capsule. <laughs>
understand why this song specifically gets shit on. There are so many more fast-paced Gene songs that I would I prefer this over in general that were on Asylum. And- yeah, I, I mean that's that's a good point. I mean, I, I think it. Uh, I, I don't know where I put it in my top two hundred. My I ranked all the Kiss songs for uh, a Decibel Geek article coming out for Christmas in July. I don't know where I put this exactly. Uh, it's not high. But you know what? Uh, I, I get why they played this on tour more than Bang Bang You. Any kind of double bass Gene song, I'll take this over the majority of them. Just for the fact yeah. that it has a good guitar solo in the beginning. And yep, whatever. the guitar so and drums in this is great. Yeah. It's mine, yeah. mine, is yours, is mine. I mean, I don't it's understand why people... going to sign on the dotted line. And by sign, he means he's going to jizz all over your tits. <laughs> Working title. Working title. Should I call it no, 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 or or jizz all over your her tits? No, again, it, you, I don't know where your working titles you're looking at. This was either it was no, 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 working title was jizz, jizz, jizz. Oh, it, get, it gets better. It does. Uh, one of the best Gene songs of the 80s, I think, and definitely, God, he's actually got some good tunes on this record. Uh, Hell or High Water, though, I love this track, man. Uh, I, I Kind of a... a, a, a a turn of phrase as far as hell or high water, but um, you know, second round to hell. Again, he's yeah, he's yeah. I guess I didn't realize they actually used the word hell on two titles on this. A lot of so nights. They're all There's about a- repetition here, right? Um, but no, I, I like the idea. It's actually you know not you know Gene typically he's like for once he's not like the dominator. You know what I mean? Uh, he's actually got to do a little work. Sure. He's like, I'm going to buy you dinner. I'm going to take you to a movie and. Uh, I might even call you the next day. I won't wait the obligatory man code three days. I'm going to just do it. If that's that's what it takes, baby.
Yeah, man. You know, the whole uh, narrative of Paul saying he did all the work during the 80s. He sure did. He did a lot of work putting out a lot of over-the-top, ridiculous, <laughs> not that that good the good songs. You know, real right? quick to that yeah. point, I think Gene's music, this album is a great example, but I think Gene's stuff aged better than Paul's. Oh, pff, by far. And in fact, when I went back to this, I was like, okay, I kind of forgot. I, I think we featured the song on a uh, kind of a like bad albums but a good song mix or something. I know we featured this at some point, but this kind of reminds me of like a Saint and Sinner type track. You know, a little different type of vocal. Um, not oh, your typical, yeah. not your typical Gene song. And like you just said, he's not being this uh, beast just dominating. He's he's got to put in the work. I'm all That's- alone. Been two days. <laughs> like he's waiting for her to call him. Anyway, what else you got? You know, I, I not not a whole lot on that track. Uh, I will say. Kind of like the next record, this song feels a little bloated, especially on side one, which is, you know, the, it was a cassette for me, too, when I bought this. Uh, <laughs> it My Way might be the worst Kiss song with a Paul lead vocal on it. Can I tell you what I thought it was going to be or what I hope, hoped it was going to be? You were gonna. You were hoping it was gonna be his cover of uh, Sid Vicious's cover of the Frank Sinatra song. Uh, just basically a cover because I had just got done. You know, I own Eat 'Em and Smile and you know David Lee Roth stuff, and he did so many covers. So I was like, okay, well maybe that's what's gonna be. And I I think that would have been every anything would be superior until this this thing. This is madness. This is Paul Stanley 1980s in one in one four minute track. Like if you're gonna take this and cycle analyze him, you would just take the song into a therapist, and they go, holy fuck, we gotta do a lot of work. I'm never Good for you, Paul. Are you going to do things your way or somebody else's way? Uh, and by the way, it's it's also a. This should have been written by Gene too, because it's so only child, right? If you don't play my game, I won't play. It's like yeah. I'm taking my ball and going home, you know, which actually is probably how we felt in Kiss at this point. Fuck you, Gene. I'm doing it, and you can suck my fucking nuts, which yeah, are I- hairy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like every other inch of my body. <laughs> but, but but like right here, how is there not one point when he says my way and doesn't say highway? I would even respect him more if you threw that in. It's my way or oh, the highway, but with a lisp. Side side two, baby. Flip the cassette. I actually got a why well, yeah, side one was longer, so you don't have to fast forward. Uh side two opens up with uh the first really, really good Paul song, in my opinion, When Your Walls Come Down. 
Oh boy. Uh, you go first. I have a I have a point counterpoint for you. So continue, please. You go first. I said you go first. I'm not pre- I'm not prepared. I have to go find my notes. How about this? Before we get into side two, there are some other uh, tracks that I can mention that Gene uh, demoed for this album. Um, sure. Boomerang, which ended up on the next record. Uh, X Marks the Spot, a, a song called Scratch and Sniff. I can't imagine what that's about. Uh, what Goes Up, again, clever. Hunger for Love, Dirty Blonde, and No Mercy. So... But side two kicks off with uh, a, a, what I think is probably the best Paul track on the record, and it's uh, When Your Walls Come Down. Yes. Uh, to start it off, this is written by Adam Mitchell, Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick, the Brothers Grimm, and Mother Goose. <laughs> yeah, here, kitty kitty. Hey, diddle diddle, when the cat wants to fiddle, the kitten's got to give him the moon. Can I give you some of the other lyrics that were vetoed at the time? Sure. Okay. Hey, diddle diddle. Did you know the guy in Breaking Bad used to be on Malcolm in the Middle? Okay. <laughs> it seems a little uh, like he would have had to time travel. Uh, he did. Another, was- another song that didn't make the record, Time Traveler. Why, first off, what is wrong with the building structure where the walls are coming down to begin with, too? I mean, <laughs> I don't care how crazy you get. If you have a decent contractor, they stay up. Please. Bro. Continue. These are, th- these are the walls of a vagina. <laughs> is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's talk- it, or it's the panties, you know, when your panties come down. Um, or, or maybe he's just talking about a career woman who puts up her guard because she's got to deal with assholes like Paul coming up and doing cat calls to her all day. And then he's like, you know, when your walls come down, baby, woohoo, yeah, I got some nursery rhymes for you. I'm going to drop some, some fucking uh, uh, Andrew Dice Clay on your ass. 
I don't know. This this one is like Bang Bang Yu's illegitimate cousin. I mean, I I don't. This is just my god. I just mean, I don't know, man. It's got a great flow. It's fun to listen to. Uh, the verse going into the chorus, you know. And this say you gotta look before you leave, and I'm gonna. I mean, I just I I think it's just a well packaged, well written song, man. Baco, I respect your opinion, but I have to say that liar, liar, you got your pants on fire. <laughs> look. The kitten's got to give him the moon, you fucking idiot. Get your head out of your ass, loose. Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. Okay. Um, well, if I was ever going to buy a make a Twix commercial, I would use the next track as uh, as the soundtrack. Reason to live. Just it, the chorus to this really makes you want to sell candy bars. It makes me do the opposite. It gives me no reason to live. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what else to say about this one, too. This is the song that I, I finally was like, all right, I just heard a bunch of uh, <laughs> uh, Mother Goose rhymes, and now I'm listening to this song, which has, I don't think it even has, does it have a guitar in it? Does it have any drums? <laughs> is there drums in the song? Yes, there's both. Um, uh, yeah, it's definitely keyboard heavy. It's, it's actually a pretty good power ballad, if you ask me. I did like, you know, this is around the time where Paul in his book says, like, he went up and gave Gene the the what for about, like, not being committed to kiss. And Gene then said, uh, he gave him, like, a, a, a brochure of Bentleys and said, pick one. And Paul's like, <laughs> I, I want a Porsche. Anyway, I wonder if that's the Porsche that they, that they burned a Polaroid picture of in this video in an effort to make it look like they were actually burning a Porsche. They didn't, they didn't have it in their bu- budget to throw some, you know, kerosene on a Porsche and light it on fire. They just took a picture of it and uh, lit it on fire. Like, the, the girl in the video, she's like, uh, you know, like, she's so upset with her lover that that she burns the the Porsche. I do remember that entire scene was subtitled with sorry we gave our money to Ron Nevison. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, this did really well on MTV, got played the fuck out of it and probably sold about uh half the records. Weirdly, uh I think they only played this song on this tour. I'm not sure if they played it on the Hot in the Shade tour. I think they 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 they, they supplanted it with Forever, which I think was a better song anyway. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just remember seeing the set list was No, 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 Bang, Bang, You, and Crazy Nights. I don't think either of these songs were on most of the set list. At least that, that Kissology thing I saw were during the Crazy Nights time. But anyway, very weird because they would only play like three songs usually from their latest album. And two of the sing- two other three singles were not one of them for some reason. Yeah, and I'll let the Kiss nerds correct me, but I'm pretty sure Crazy, Crazy Nights was the only song that made it to the next tour. And then it, that might have even been dropped out before Revenge, so... Oh, Revenge, they didn't have Crazy Nights. That was okay, gone. Okay, okay. That was gone. For sure. That part I knew was factual. Um, well, next up is another strong one by Gene, I think. Good Girl Gone Bad. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's not to like about A Good Girl Gone Bad? Van Halen had that song, too. That's the same title. Um, both good songs from both bands. And uh, I don't know what to say. This is a straight-up rocker. Again, it's that different kind of vocal from Gene. What, what about these to. co-writers? Uh, David, not David. <laughs> David Sigerson and Peter Diggins. I think that all these these random co-writers on here actually have on their resume, and this sort of things went south with my life. 
is when I had a co-write on Crazy Nights. Yeah, and I will take Hell or High Water and Good Girl Gone uh, Gone Bad over if I took those two songs and threw them on Animalize and Asylum. Those are the two best Gene songs on an album, in my humble opinion. Huh. So okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I mean, I I don't hate the Gene tracks on there, but these are strong. I, I think right. I, they could they could uh, I, I I think it merits. Uh, okay, if you throw these two songs on the end of Animalize instead of uh, When the City Sleeps and Hell, um, whatever Heels and Hell or whatever another Hell song, Murder in High Heels. There you go, Murder Murder in High Heels. It that makes that album better. That's all I can say. So. Uh, not bad. Well, we're not talking about point. animalize, and I don't know what you're going to do with those songs because I don't want to get rid of them. Jesus Christ! I'm just telling you when this, this album gets shit on, that the, the, these two Gene songs alone are better than some of the other ones out in the '80s. Is my point. Fair enough. God damn. God damn. I'm a little whiner. That's that's you. That's you, loose cannon. <laughs>
Let's go into the the double ending of Night. Night, Night, Night. Uh, Turn On The Night's a great song. Finally, Diane Warren kicks in here. Uh, I like this track. It's got a very smooth, kind of fun, just little, little listen to. It's 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 a bit of an earworm, kind of catchy. Um, as you know, I don't think catchy means good, but in this case, I think catchy is good. I'll give it to you on this one, too. This one, as far as just a, a, a pure pop song, is well-crafted. And is one that I completely forgot about until I went back to this and, and did a review. I was like, uh, you know, this one is is is, is a solid, well written track. Uh, it is again of the of the time, but at the same time, you know, come on, it dominates over the other stuff on this album. Uh, it's the only it's the second Paul Stanley song I like on the album. Um, this will be my third if you count Crazy Nights. So. the night uh, closes out the record now this actually appeared on uh wendy o williams record where ace freely supposedly played on it uh after he was out of kiss with uh eric carr 
Uh, and according to Pods and Saws, I couldn't find this anywhere, but on their episode, they mentioned that Paul was <laughs> unaware that this was on uh, a Wendell Williams record. And I thought that was odd. Almost unbelievable. Well, it's also unbelievable the fact that that album really exists. It's such an odd thing. I didn't know it existed until the last five years where, <clears throat> what, all three out of the four of them were – was Paul Stanley on that one too? No, was it just no, those? he's not. Right, but it, but it was Eric Carr and Ace. It was Eric Carr, Gene, and Ace, and Ace was out of the band. Right? It's so, it's so weird that that even exists. And, and but Gene the produced that, the record, so I get you know the connection, but – Right, no, I know, but but there's that, and then there's what? Uh, it's my life. They have a version. They have what are there some other? Is there any other repurposed Kiss songs on that album besides Thief in the Night? I think so, one? but I can't remember what it is. But okay. uh, all right, always digging back. He's always keeping track of everything, whether it's a mishmash or something, or just pulling a song, you know, from the past and using it forward. Like like he used uh, "Only You" on a Doro record. Uh, but this song, uh, I think, it sounds great. Uh, it, it really fits this album. It's actually not a bad closer. No, and like Ken Mills has said, that, that Gene has been green since 1975. He's been recycling since then. <laughs> yeah, he sure has. Uh, you know what? Uh, he gets a lot of crap for it, because I think partially because we are so aware of when he does it. Uh, sure. But, but I, all songwriters do this. They, they, they keep something in the can, and they, they take a part of it and use it later and, as some different you know incarnation. But uh, Or, you know, like in this case, he basically just uh, took a song that he gave somebody else and, and uh, used it himself. Paul would do the same on the uh, lead single on the next album. Yeah, and, and I'll summarize with uh, this is my – it might be my least favorite or it's, it's equal to or lesser than of No, No, No. So of this album – um, do you want to give our summary of the album? Yeah, let's get to it. <laughs> okay, for this for this uh, album, it has about three and a half or four good songs for me. And two of those are from Gene, uh, that, I, that I just mentioned, and two are from Paul. And that's it. Seven songs from Paul, hmm. four from Gene, a completely of-the-time ta- time capsule album. And uh, But I will tell you this much. For March Badness, again, this is the second one. Well... No, actually, I said that I would listen to Sonic Boom over Saints of Los Angeles. I would listen to Crazy Nights over Sonic Boom. So Sonic Boom is going to be our median point as we go here. I think will, so. I think will that we is listen to this record before we listen to Sonic Boom again? Okay. Um, well, I will tell you this. This is where I'll unleash my little surprise for the listeners. Uh, as you know, I sent it to you. I got inspired uh, by listening to that Paws and Sods episode of, of, a few years back, and I finally did it, which might have been the catalyst for the inspiration to do what we're doing today. But I resequenced the entire record. I also kind of uh, ran it through Pro Tools and beefed up the mix a little bit, or uh, the, the the EQ on it, kind of give give it a little more meat to the the overall tone. And uh, and I took a couple songs out. So you did so can if I, any, I... if anybody Sorry. listening wants to hear that. Just message message us on on Facebook or Twitter. Or get a hold of us somehow, and I and I'll send you a link to it. it. It's I just did it for fun. But you can, if you like the record, I think I made it better. I removed two songs. I resequenced the order to make a little more sense, and and remove Paul Stanley's ego from the sequencing process. <laughs> and uh, I, I liked it. So yeah, just just hit us up if you're interested. That was my little surprise, a little treat for the listener in March Badness. 
Yes, I do recommend requesting uh, that link from Baco. I have heard it, and I will tell you that there are there is some bass and uh, instrumentation in general that I never even noticed on the original mix. So, and I, and I do really like the song, the two songs you cut out, and the order. I think it does make it a, be, a more uh, more pleasurable listen. So, well done. No bullshit. All right. So uh, I'm going to summarize also that this album was some, something that almost kept me away from being a Kiss fan. Two years later, somebody forced uh, Kiss Alive 2 on me um, in high school. And basically from there, uh, it, it, we, I am talking in a basement to somebody in Minnesota about Kiss. So there you go. <laughs> so it worked, out, it worked out in the long run. But Crazy Nights was a, 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 you know, could have been a disaster for my life. It wouldn't have been the same. Agreed. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know what I was agreeing to. No, I was already. Uh, I was already in the. I was full on kiss coma at this point, man. Right. Uh, everything they did was good. I. I pretended to enjoy Asylum and this record. Thank God they followed up with something better with the next album. Well, we hope you've enjoyed another episode of March Badness. Yes. Baco, you want to get out of here? Yeah. You, let's let's get the fuck out of here. All right. Rock's not dead. Is crazy, crazy hell, hell, night, night, night. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.